What's up, guys? Jason Payne, your host of the Sexy Business Status Podcast. I'm here with my friend, my cousin, and my accountant. That's it. As well, Mr. Mike Payne. Mike Payne, what's up, man? JTP, JP, good to see you, man. How dude, are you doing? I'm good, dude. I'm good. good. How you been? Things are rolling, man. It's just, uh, it's been great. Um, yeah. Business is going. Family's doing well. So Mike has been my CPA since I started State 48 Roofing four years ago. Saved me tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, since then. Ironically, uh, as we're doing this, Dory called you this morning because we're going to be getting out of this office and going into a, a, a much bigger, um, more updated uh, room for podcasts and gyms and training rooms and all that fun stuff. And Dory reached out to him and said, hey, like, let's talk about the, the tax incentives of doing this. And he's like, oh, yeah, let me roll them out. Bam, 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 bam. Yep. And we're like, justifiable. Next question. That was literally, how long was that conversation? 10 minutes? Like, if, if 10 minutes, <laughs> but you just, you present a scenario of facts, and all of a sudden, there's just, yep, that's uh, eligible. Those improvements are eligible for first-time depreciation. Um, that's going to create a big deduction this year. So, boom, let's go for it. Instead of doing it all at once, like we're able to actually put the TI, finance the TI into our monthly for five years. Brilliant. So, I get to write off every single month, like at least a third, if not two thirds of my rent because it's all renovation based, right? Brilliant. Yeah. That's for a, five years. That's a great negotiation that you, you did with that. Oh, sm- and they're like, nice, they're like nice yeah, month. well, totally. Well, the other guy's like, oh, no. He's like, we'll give you, you know, uh, you know, 30 or 40K towards the, the front improvement that they did, the TI. They're like, but yeah, you have to go get a TI loan for 150 G's and all that crap. And I'm like, I don't want to go do that. Plus have rent and all that stuff. These guys are like, yep, not a problem. It's a dad and a son. And they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll throw all together. They're like all gang, they're, they're accountants, they're CPAs, all for it. And I'm like, oh, I love you. Here you go. Yeah. And it's for you, it's one of the best um, types of tax strategies, which is you defer the expense over a few years, but you recognize the expense for tax purposes up front. Yes. Perfect way to do it. It's awesome. Yeah. It's like buying a truck. Yep. Same exactly. Thing. Exactly. It's like you're not you're not paying a hundred thousand dollars for the truck today. Yep. But you it shows that you bought a hundred thousand dollar truck. Yep, exactly. And finance the sucker out and then pop pop pop. That's great. So uh Mikey, so you went to Gilbert High, Tiger Pride. We have a lot of tigers on here. Lane was just on oh, Lane's a hawk. Never mind. I'll take it back. Thanks. Lane Thanks. is a freaking hawk. Heidi's a hawk though, so I guess we'll we can still be okay. Um so graduated when? I graduated from high school in 02. 02. I went up to NAU, got an accounting degree, uh, became a lumberjack up there, and then the came back to ASU, got my law degree uh, from there. In you were an well. attorney first, that's right. Uh, I was a CPA CPA first and then became an attorney, and now oh, okay. went, went to work at some big firms, kind of just learned uh, you know, some deep specialty. My first firm, all I did was nonprofit work, um, and so... Got really deep specialty working with nonprofits or tax exemption. We were working with billion dollar foundations on the East Coast and the West Coast. Crazy. We were doing all the big hospital systems here in Arizona uh, and that's Southwest. And then um, I went to work for a law firm where I, I, that's where I started learning how to be, how to do business development because at the big firms, you're just a cog, you're just a technician. You don't learn how to do sales, you don't learn how to do customer support. You don't learn any of those people skills. So yeah, very, very, you have a certain niche and nothing else. Yeah. And that's it. You're just a technician. You're, they don't invite you to the sales meetings. Um, whereas at the law firm gave me a lot of, um, latitude and a lot of support. They, they taught me how to, mm. here's how to, here's how you close a sale. Um, here's all the stuff that you should have learned in law school that you didn't learn related to here's how you empathize with the client. Here's how you, um, you know, 
set out fees and resolve concerns and, and then get the sale done. So you went to law school. Did you go to law school first or you became a CPA first? Became a CPA first, first. Uh, undergraduate degree. And then okay. law school is a graduate degree. So another three years. So why did, so why did you go the law route? Um, I didn't like, I, I wanted, I wanted to do more. I knew I wanted to be a business owner someday. That was my high level goal. Um, I didn't know what kind of business I wanted to run. And, and honestly, at the time when I graduated, uh, the economy was in the tank. And so, mm-hmm. um, it just made sense to keep going to school and develop my skills. And there's a, there's a guy that you and I both know named Mark Pugmire. Sure. Um, so he's a, he's a CPA and a lawyer. And, you know, I talked to him at some point. Talked he to still work for people. his dad, Highland Holmes? Yeah, well, his dad is the one I'm talking about. Oh, oh yeah, yeah he's okay. a CPA and a lawyer. Okay, and he never practiced, as far as I understand. He all, he just had those credentials and the, those skills in his tool belt, and went and built a successful home building company. Um, but but you know he, he did built that. my house. Yeah, in Power Ranch. Really, no, that's yeah. awesome. No five. Yeah. Yeah, and um, he's he's been able to run his business from an informed position because he doesn't get take advantage of because he understands how the books work. He understands how the legal contracts work. And I always wanted that background um, so that whatever business I was going to run, and you know, most of our families in construction and trades, my dad's a farmer. Um, I thought I'd end up building homes or doing something like that, but ended up um, learned, learned uh, how to practice law, learned how to be a, a good CPA, learned how to be a business strategist. And then I decided that's what I enjoyed. I enjoy working with other business owners, helping them develop legal strategy, um, look at your org chart, figure out what makes sense, what your, what your goals are, make sure it's efficient. It saves you money on taxes. It protects you legally. And then, right. then let's look at the tax side and do some tax planning to make sure that however we're structured, you're, you're the most tax efficient as possible. Lean, lean and mean. Yep. Yeah. So, That's crazy. So it's, it's uh, out of, out of interviewing a lot of people, millionaires, just having conversations with them, whether it's other roofers, other business owners, right? Even some people that I consult and whatnot. Um, the most successful ones that I've found, most of them have, were, they went and got their degree in accounting. Yeah. It's great. And I'm uh, like, wait. Did you know Lane has a degree in accounting? Oh, yeah, Lane, yeah, yeah. Lane he Peterson. Would, yeah, he's a W. Carey. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't realize that until the other day. We, we share yeah. an office together. Yeah. And uh, I just, he just told me that he has a degree in accounting, but I'm like, you're an investor. He's like, yeah, it just helps me. Um, yeah. It, it, accounting is the language of business. Yes. And so if you It's a start, numbers game. You start with that. Um, you can get into doors that you wouldn't be able to get into. Otherwise you understand things at least at a fundamental level. Um, you won't get taken advantage of. Yeah. That's insane. And then, and then the law part of it too, like they said, the, the, the legally binding contracts and, uh, partner agreements, you know, all those, all those type of things. It's some people like I have to go hire that out to figure out like, Hey, make sure I don't do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing or sign here. And then I'm like screwed for, you know, commas and zeros or, you know, oh, well, you just gave away half your business because you're an idiot. Type yep. Deal. yep, exactly. And people that have that background or have that, you know, maybe that other person, but most of the time they, they've studied it. So they know they'll write the contract to favor them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's where you have that one up because you went to law school because you're a CPA compared to me. I'm a business owner, but I literally had to hire a CPA and hire an attorney to make sure that whatever I'm doing, I cover my ass. That gets expensive. Yeah, but that, that also that's a smart way to do it instead of trying to learn those things yourself because you're you're spending your time is limited, your time is valuable. So if you were taking time to learn how to do your own books, um, that's time taken away from your team, time taken away from your customers. Yeah, and, and growth in your business. And and you know I think it's when you, when you start out if you're starting small, I always encourage new business owners, uh, startups to go ahead and yeah do your bookkeeping for their first six months until you get to the point where your time is so valuable that it it makes perfect sense to have somebody else do that for you. Um, but when you start, 
if you want to do that just to learn it, it's not a problem. The problem, well, the what happened with you though, and being there and you know in first row of the audience, uh, you went hyper growth and you, oh, yeah. you put you put fuel to that fire and you you passed that stage in about two days yeah. where you were like, yeah, I need people to stay in their lanes and help me with these other administrative things so that I can focus on hyper growing this business. Yeah, well, like we did a million dollars in five months yeah. from scratch. Crazy man, from zero. It took me three years to get there. Yeah, that's good. But so I, from the get go, I, I, I knew even worked from, from my uncle for nine years. I knew that I knew my strengths. I knew my weaknesses and I was really good at production. Cause I did that for five years running with Todd yep. and then he left and you're, you know, Connor, obviously one of your best friends. Right. And then Connor and I ran together, but I had the sales side on that for three years, three and a half. So out of a, a nine year spell at five years of production, knowing all the back end, what it looks like pricing, where, where people are fat, where people are skinny, where people take shortcuts, where they try and save money and they shouldn't. And on the sales side, from having a, from doing my own sales, I averaged like 1.5 million in sales myself, apart from managing a, a team of anywhere from three to six sales reps. Yeah. Um, and doing anywhere from three to $5 million in revenue. Doing that for indirectly for eight years, but specifically where I was the, the main guy for three, almost four. Mm-hmm. And then being the GM type deal. But on the, on the backside, taxes, payroll, you know, all, all those type of things. Like I had very, very little exposure to that because my uncle uh, just, whether he didn't, whether he chose to, or I just didn't ask, it wasn't my niche. So I always said, okay, cool. I'll, I will take care of literally Dory and I sat down and said, I'll take care of production and sales. You take care of the rest. Yep. Cool. Cool. Done. Perfect. That's literally how easy it was when her and I sat down. Cause I asked Heidi if she wanted to be involved and be an office manager in this and that. And she's like, no, I want to be a mom and, and, and have babies and, and do that game. Dory's Help been out. awesome. From, from, I work with her regularly and she's awesome. Awesome part of your team. You're lucky to have her. Oh yeah. She, dude, she is, she is, uh, and I compensate her extremely well because she is wherever I lack, she is 100% fulfilling. So that's, I, I've got a Dory at my firm. Her name is Shelby. She's my practice manager. And if you're familiar with the EOS system, you've got the, the visionary and the integrator. Yeah. Oh, um, that was a thousand percent. You and I, our personality types, we are the visionaries. I mean, that's our DNA. Totally. hundred percent. Big ideas, lots of energy, um, relationship yeah. driven, um, get stuff moving. Uh, but when it comes to the details, when it comes to the analytics part, yeah. organization, struggle, struggle. It actually suck getting stuff implemented. Yeah. yeah. It's rough. And so we need somebody that can kind of take our ideas and boil them down to action steps and boil them down to consistent actions over a period of time. Right. Shelby does that for me. And, and I think, um, you know, in any, we, we mostly work with, uh, service providers, whether it's professional services uh-huh. or construction of trades. And, you know, I think every, every business owner has to get to that point. And I, I think it's when you have about five employees, you need to have that person that takes that from you. Um, yeah. if you're, if you're driven like us and some, some business owners are the integrators. And so they need somebody that can be the visionary. And that's a little bit more yeah. challenging yes. um, because typically you look at the CEO and our, our personality, our ADHD driven, um, high energy yeah. personality Squirrel is, and cocaine. is great for CEO because we, we are executives. We execute, we make decisions quickly and very you know, quickly. That's, that's a, that's a huge nugget, by the way. Like people say, Oh, what's uh they would say money is speed. Right. And if you can, and just listening to books, talking to people, all that kind of stuff, they said the people that are most successful are the ones that can make decisions quickly. And it's not, it's not off the cuff. Like it, it's a, it's a strategic decision, but it's also very, very quick with not spending, you know, months and years and graphs and all that bull crap, but, but literally just saying, 
is where we're going to go. We're going to go 100 miles an hour at it. Yep. So Grant Cardone's uh, the president of Cardone Enterprises, his name is Jared Glant, who's a good, I want to say good buddy of mine. I know who he is. But um, something that he teaches religiously that I love, told a story on a podcast once where he's like, if we're in, I forgot what state he said, but, you know, let's say we're in Arizona, right? We're in Arizona, and we want to go to, we want to go to Florida. We want to go to the East Coast. And he's like, okay, so if I leave and I go west, we both get in the same car, and I'm going 100 miles an hour, I'm going to hit San Diego. Mm-hmm. And I'm, but I'm going 100 miles an hour, and you're going 50. Yep. I'm going to hit San Diego, figure out, shit, wrong sand, <laughs> wrong politics, <laughs> wrong everything, right? $18 a gallon gas and $5 a gallon milk jug. Crap, I hit the wrong coast. Turn around. I'm going to pass you as you're still not even to San Diego, knowing that I already know that San, that, that was the wrong beach. Yep. But we both go ahead of the same direction. He's like, I'm already passing you in Yuma or Pick Your Poison, right? Whatever that is, going that way. And you still don't even know where you're going. But he's like, if you're going to make a decision, make, it, make a wrong decision, make it fast. Because yeah. if you make it fast, you know what not to do next time. And now you have the experience of like, I've already gone down that road. Yeah. Don't do it. And I've already... I did it so fast. Oh, yeah, I already knew not to do that, right? And you pivot. And I would add to that fail fast, too. Realize you're in San Diego. That's not where you're supposed to be. And Don't and, hang out for a week. Yeah, you don't, don't <laughs> hang out there and, and try to determine, well, maybe we could set up in San Diego. We're, we're already here, right? So let's, oh. let's just try this for a while. You already know you want to be on the East Coast. So fail fast. Don't worry about that. There's a, this concept called um, sunk, sunk costs. In accounting. Sunk costs, okay. Yeah, and sunk costs basically is the notion that you've already put the money into that. You're not getting that money back. And so you, you shouldn't value that in terms of making future decisions. That money's gone. And so don't, don't look at that money you spent getting to San Diego as, oh, we need to capitalize on that and therefore we need to set up in San Diego. The fact is that money's gone and it shouldn't, go, it shouldn't come into play when you're looking at how to make future decisions because that, that's a right. sunk cost. It's gone. Yeah. You know, and it's almost like bad debt. Just like write it off, like be done with it, move it. Yeah, it's it's not. Yeah. You're not going to recover it, and so you just move on. And and when you're looking at um, what to do in the future, you're looking at your opportunity cost, right? And you're looking mm-hmm. at um, your actual cost, but your sunk cost, whatever it took you to get to where you are, that's all gone. So don't don't consider that's a fallacy. People very frequently consider their sunk costs when they're trying to decide what to do. Well, I, I spent X amount on this truck. Well, at the end of the day. You don't need a truck. You need a Tesla or you need a whatever, or you need to trade that truck in. It doesn't matter that you put $10,000 into repairs into that truck. Um, that shouldn't affect your decision whether to sell it right. and get a new truck, right? That, that money's gone. I have a question for you since you said this. So I worked for, I worked for a guy who didn't believe in owning new vehicles. Um, literally, we had le- like an extra truck. I forget what we called it, but it was just an, always an extra truck at the yard. Yep. When, not if, but when one of our five or 10 or whatever vehicles broke down. Um, I have FOMO from that, of PTSD from that. So all my stuff's brand new. I'm like, I'd rather charge more, sell more, do more, and tell people, do you want me to show up in this vehicle or in this vehicle as like justification? But I hate, I hated being stranded on the side of the road yeah. or going and picking people up from being stranded on the side of the road. Um, so owning a vehicle, a brand new vehicle, and writing it off versus paying cash. Let's say, let's say I buy a truck for, I just did one the other day. Um, from Ben from Hinder Brown. Let's say I buy uh, a production truck for, let's say, $60,000. Three-quarter ton, going to be, we'll have it for probably three to five years, or at least at least two, but probably three-ish years, and going to work for us, be great, awesome. Buy it brand new. 
compared to, and then have a payment on it for, you know, for 72 months or whatever, compared to going and buying a cheap one that has, you know, 100,000 miles on it and maybe two-tone paint or this or that for $20,000. Yep. What would you recommend and why? There's pros and cons of both, but which one would you recommend? You're the one that went to school. I didn't go to school. I went to Chandler Gilbert for like a semester and a half. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what would you recommend and why? So is that smart or dumb or, or both? It, or It all depends on your situation and how long you're, what your intention is with that vehicle, how long you intend to keep it, how, how you drive it. Um, there's a lot that goes into it. What I typically see is one of two things. If you're using that vehicle um, in business and it's going to get a lot of miles and it's going to be replaced in a few years, um, typically you're going to want to just buy the new vehicle and you want to drive that until your warranty has gone um, because the, the benefit of driving a new vehicle is you get that warranty and mm. you don't have to worry about paying for repairs. So you're, you are paying more because it's a new vehicle, sure. but that eliminates uh, a cost that you would otherwise incur, which is repairs. And we, we know how it is. We grew up where our dads bought trucks at 100,000 miles. And that was a yeah. new truck to us growing up, right? Totally. Um, and I, was I got up, my called the Green Monster '95 Chevy Silverado. Yep. I got it my junior, my sophomore year in high school. So it was like what 2003. Uh, it was '95, and it had 200,000 miles on it. <laughs> and the reverse went out, so I literally couldn't. I so I had to drive into Gilbert High into the parking lot, and I had my sister and another girl that lived in our neighborhood. And I had uh, football afterwards or baseball. I don't look like an idiot having to push my truck backwards. So I literally put drive in forwards, had the girls get out put it in neutral and then have them push me back. And I would back into a parking space. That's awesome. So at football or baseball, I don't know who knows this. This is very few people know the story, but literally I'd, every day it was a hour. So there wasn't a lot of people, but I have them push me back into a parking spot. So in the afternoon or evening after football or baseball, turn on, put on drive. See you boys. See you later. But I didn't have a reverse. <laughs> That's awesome. My, my dad gave it to story. me at 200,000. My, he gave it to me at 200,000 miles. Yeah, no, I remember that truck. Yeah. Um, so, so if that's how you are, and if you, if you want, you know, branding's important. Um, if totally. You, you know, pulling up in a, a dumpy old truck with your name handwritten on the side of the truck doesn't inspire a lot of confidence in your customers. And I can't tell you how many times driving around I see your trucks. I saw one yesterday. Um, I always know which one's yours. Yours is the beefy, um, awesome-looking truck. But, yeah. but I, see, I, I probably see your trucks once a week driving around, and your trucks are sharp. They're all black. They all look nice. Um, and it's, 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 uh, it's branding. And so... Um, that's one way to do it. If you are a, a business owner who is, um, if you're more conservative and if you don't use your vehicle as much for business and you're, you tend to keep it for a longer period of time, um, then I would say it doesn't matter by, by used vehicle, because we're probably, there, there's two ways to do it when you're, um, expensing the vehicles. You can either do, you can, um, do depreciation expense up front, which gives you a nice big tax deduction up front. Sure. And then you do all your actual expenses going forward. So all of your gas, all of your maintenance, your insurance, your repairs. Um, or you can do the mileage method, which is if you're, if you're going to be doing, uh, keeping a car for 10 years or longer, typically it always makes sense to do the mileage um, because then you, you get the standard, standard mileage deduction. I, I can't remember. I think it's like 56 cents right now yeah, um, per mile. But you can run that car up to 250,000 miles. It's going to be a lot more beneficial over the long term to do the mileage uh, method than the actual expenses. Mm-hmm. So that, and that's the other thing too, is like, so the takeaway, I know nothing about taxes, depreciation, write off any of that stuff. Uh, but I mean, I do now, but before I was like, I want a vehicle that's not going to break down. Yep. That was my thing. So my first truck that I bought, so it's another crazy story. So I, we had a, this is our third kid, third kid. Yeah. I think it was Oakley. Our third child, apart from Noah. So Heidi and I had three kids at the time, and he was like a month old. 
So a month old baby leaving uh, a W-2 job, right? Sales at, at Griffin where I was for a year. Leaving there, starting State 48 Roofing. Well, when yeah. you start when you start a business, you can't buy, you don't qualify for anything, <laughs> right? To, to purchase anything. So um, so I had to buy a house before I started my business. Yep. So, and I had to buy a truck before I started my business because of debt to income ratio or like, oh, you started a business. Like, yeah, pound salt. Like you're a, you're a, you know, you're a wild card, right? Yep. You're a 16 year old driving a car, a brand new Corvette type deal. Yeah. And so what I had to do is an zero, zero accounting background by any means, but I said, okay, cool. So while I still have this W2 job, according to them, according to, you know, the IRS and, and the dealerships and, you know, Fannie Mae and all those cats, I bought my house and I already had lined up with Ben. I already had a truck lined up, 100% ready to go, financing, deposit, everything ready to go. I closed on my house, re recorded. Once you record, like it's done deal. Yep. Once I recorded that same night at seven o'clock, I was at the dealership signing for my truck because my house didn't hit my debt to income ratio, didn't hit my credit yet. So I still approved and I still had a W 2, right? Perfect. I love is, is this it. good? This is good. Yeah, you went right? from zero debt to a lot of debt. In one I went day. zero debt to like a shit, and it was like an eighty thousand dollar truck. It, or, it was a fifty thousand dollar truck, but yeah. like, but I didn't want to buy like a ten thousand dollar clunker. So right. it was like fifty to eighty grand. I don't know. It wasn't one of the nice diesels that I owned, and and it was a one month old. And started and the next day, once I did that, I quit my W two. And so once I bought the truck and bought the house, the next day I started. I opened up State Forty Eight Roofing, That's and awesome. that was August first of twenty nineteen. It's a great story. Um, so, yeah, so that's, like, uh, because I knew I wasn't, I was, if I bought the truck, it wouldn't, it, it, I wouldn't be able to qualify for the house. And if I bought, and if I left and started state 48 at all, then I wouldn't qualify for the house or the truck. Yeah. I have to wait two years to get into a house or X number of years or months in order to get a, a decent truck. Yeah. But because I was a W2 employee, I am super qualified. Yeah. Well, I it's think it's a bunch of bullshit, but I think whatever. your mindset and, um, getting, not wanting to worry about repairs on your vehicle is when when you look at your oh yeah that's a good point was... you look at your opportunity cost of um when it when, when you take a truck in for repairs what are you looking at you got to get somebody there in the morning who need, then needs to get a ride you have to get a replacement vehicle so hopefully they have a rental none of your tools are in there your branding's not on there yep and then oh by the way when you do rent a, a vehicle that you need to pull so like enterprise and those guys there's there's one i think it is enterprise that has where you can rent and you can pull trailers with the rental vehicle yeah but most won't let you no. Oh, and it's rent. oh, and they're like a hundred dollars a day. Yeah, like it's wicked expensive. But the the biggest time suck. The biggest loss is the time it takes to go drop your vehicle off. Yes. Call follow up and go pick it up again, and because that's a full day where you've got a stocked truck mm -hmm. that is not on the road. Yeah. And so. Um, or my sales reps miss miss four sales calls. Four sales calls is you know yeah. thousands of dollars thousands in revenue. And thousands of dollars. Yes. Versus you know yeah you're paying some interest um, on your vehicle but you don't ever have to take it in. It's because it's just going to run. All you got to do is the regular maintenance. Yeah. If my sales guys like go down on a vehicle by the time, like phrase it however you want, by the time it breaks down, you get in uh, another one or this or that, my production guys, it's on average like $5,000 a day that I lose. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so is it worth it to have a brand new truck that never breaks down, never has problems under warranty. And then when it starts to crap out, like that's what I did. This one started to crap out. I'm like, what's the mileage? Okay. Is that, you know, a buck, whatever. I'm like, okay, cool. Trade it in any, if it's over $100,000 starts causing me problems, I just trade it in because I know it's not going to get better. Yeah. It's not like you put a, you know, you put five or 10 grand into it. Oh, I'm going to get another 300,000 miles out of it. No, but some people have the time, either you have the time or the money, but not both. And I had, 
I, I wanted the time and I was willing to sacrifice the money yep. to not have to do that. But there's some guys that they're, you know, they're, 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 what do you call them? Grease monkeys or ratchet monkeys, whatever. Like they, they, they love working on their trucks and doing that kind of stuff. My like, dude, I, I know how to, cause my dad made me right. Yeah. Cause just like your dad, like we know how to do fuel pumps and, and carburetors and trainees and all that kind of crap. But I don't want to, because I'd rather spend time with my family, spend time at the gym or be doing something fun yeah. or be making more money. Like I'd rather go sell three more roofs instead of having to go get under a truck and fix X or Y or Z. Yep. It's just, uh, I don't know. I got massive PTSD from it. I'm like, nope, never again. Like my truck's at 65,000 miles. I'm like, eh, probably yeah. trading it by the end of the year. You're, you got to <laughs> figure out what are your tools of your trade. For me, it's a, it's a computer. So I just went and bought a nice expensive computer top of the line. Sure. Because I can't have my computer crapping out on me. I can't have it. I can't have it glitching and deleting files, right? right? You can't have your trucks acting up. You you got to put money into your tools because those are some of the things that you leverage. Just yeah. the same way you take care of your customers, or excuse me, your your employees, right. um, because you want them to be well taken care of. You don't want high employee turnover. Um, right. Take care of them because that's a huge, that's, that's a that's huge a leverage point. point for you. Yes, that's a huge point. Guys, employees that want to come work for you, they don't want to drive piece of shit vehicles that break down. True. They don't. Because when they break down, they they are not doing anything for work. Yeah, they're still getting paid, but psychologically, they're they're literally like they feel like they're losing money and costing the company money. Yeah. Even though the company vehicle broke down, that they, they're pissed off, they're in a bad mood. They go home because they're sitting on the side of the road and it's 115 degrees. By well, the way, and I they're not able to achieve their goals, which should if yes. if your compensation is structured properly, the better work they do, the more they get paid. And so 100%. you want them to have all the tools that you don't want them to have any excuses. It's all on them. Yeah. And it's, there's no, there's no excuses. You don't have to worry about the trucks. I got that taken care of. Here's all the top of the line tools, of the trade. So you are perfectly set up to do your job. Well, and, and very similar to dump trailers. Sure. Right. Dump trailers. That's <laughs> crazy. I have like five or six now, but I remember the first three that I bought were like 9,800 bucks. Yeah. And then I have six, 9,800 bucks. Then, you know, economy, COVID, all that kind of crap. Then it was 11,000 and then it's 13,000. Yep. I know a buddy, one of my friendly competitor buddies just bought one, the exact same one, exact same style, exact same dealership. It's now 14, not $13,000. Yeah. It was $9,800. And by the way, I've only been in this business for four years. So then four years went from $9,800 to $14,000. The exact same sales rep at the exact same big techs on main street. Like over a four-year period, right? Go from ten grand to eleven grand to thirteen grand. That was fourteen thousand dollars for the exact same trailer. And I'm like, but I pay cash for them, yep. right? And so uh, it's, but same thing. They're brand new, so the hydraulics and the pumps and the brakes and the tires and the brrr, like you have normal yearly routine maintenance. I, I get them done, but like, dude, I never get phone calls of like your trailer sucks, your trailer broke down, the door yeah. broke, the blah blah blah, the gates. Now you also have to train your guys to make sure they take care of them. Yeah. So I'm on them like a hawk because they're right outside this door. Once a week, I'll randomly go back out there and look at them. And I'm like, hey, fix this, 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 this. Um, but same thing. Like, I, I paid full price and bought them brand new because I don't want my guys to break down because there's there's so much of when it comes to hiring people, they'll, well, they'll go look at your office. Yep. They'll go look at your trucks. They'll go look at your trailers. They'll go look at your assets. For you, it's like they'll go look at your workspace, right? Do they have nice high-end, you know, tech stuff for you? Yeah. Or is like, hey, here's a piece of shit from like eight years ago. You're like, uh... Yeah, you want to perform at optimal performance with for outdated tech. No, it's, yes. it's no fun. So it's kind of funny that you, that you bring that up because <clears throat> you like I'm on the road a lot for work. All my guys, sales guys, production guys, 
admin gals that all work from home. Mm-hmm. So they don't, you know, so they don't need a, a vehicle by any means. But those that commute, I'm just curious, those that commute like you, so you go drive five minutes, 10 minutes to your house, your truck or your car, your Tesla, minivan, whatever, sits there for eight, 10, 12 hours a day. At what point, like, when do you, is that when you don't buy a nice exotic badass vehicle because you can't ride it off because it just goes and sits there and catches dust and like you can wrap it, but it sits in a parking lot. Yeah. So, I mean, I would do something, but I wouldn't, I mean, our wraps are like 4,200 bucks a pop. Yeah. I don't know if I would spend $4,200 for my truck or my car to send a parking lot where I'm going to sit in, in a, in a room or my office for eight, 10, 12 hours a day. Yeah. We're that makes sense. You said, you told me the other day that you're in your office for an hour a day. Whereas I'm in, I'm on the road for an hour a day, maybe, yeah, maybe so it's exactly if, I, if I have appointments, but yeah. for the most, you know, there's lots of days where I don't leave my office at all. And so, no, for me, I, I did buy a, a vehicle. I bought a truck that an F-150 that was, you know, had 18,000 miles. It was a year old. Um, and then, but I'm going to keep that one for a long time because sure. I'm not going to put as many miles, not even close to as many oh. you put on it. We average 40, 40,000 miles a year. Yeah. And I don't, vehicles. I don't really need a wrap because. I'm not going door to door. I'm not. I'm not on the road that much, and so it doesn't really make sense for me to do that. But but my building, I, I definitely have branded. Yeah, we have, your brick and mortar. We have frontage on baseline. Um, we've got a big nice sign that lights up at night. It's huge. Um, and I, I everybody that drives by gets to see that sign. And there's there's people that go to my church. It's right. It's right by the boundary where our church is. And when people <laughs> ask me where I work, I, you know, I tell them like, oh, I've seen that because it's right when I pull out of my neighborhood. And right, sure. so it's a very busy street. So. Um, that's, yeah, where that's, I, crazy. I, that's where I put my, my money into that $15,000 sign. Yeah. And it's funny is I I'll spend probably a thousand dollars on a sign or 500 bucks on a sign to throw sure. it in a, we got a brick, we're going to get a brick and mortar on Sossaman and Pecos, but it's like a half a mile inland. You can't, it's next to all these big other corporate, you know, big industrial buildings. I don't care. Cause nobody comes to my office. No yeah. clients come to my office and I'm not going to like get traffic because of it right. there'll be a sign there like just know where people know where to park <laughs> right. or like hey i'm right here but other than that it's funny so once again it's a complete 180 yep. like i'm not going to spend i know people that spend yeah 15 dollars on these exotic signs that line up and uh preston preston our cousin right there off of 202 yeah he has this big old huge gun safe sign that mm-hmm. i still see every freaking time you drive down the 202 yep but like mine because i don't need a brick and mortar because i don't have clients coming into my office it's it would be a dumb expense for me to have a $15,000 sign out there when like my neighboring three or four people are going to see it. It's just not. Yeah. And then you compared think about, to trucks, you think about, well, what, what sign do you really need now? And it's, it's really your website, your website and your socials are, mm-hmm. are your signs now. Yeah. That, that's where you need, those need to be up to date. Those need to be modern. And those, those need to be, you, you need to spend the money there because if people have a bad experience with your website, they're going to assume that they're going to have a bad experience with your service too. Yes. Yep. So. And in your reviews too, right? Yep. Like that's huge. Like having, having your reviews dialed in and making sure you're on top of those and, and, uh, and sharing them with people. Like we have over combined between Yelp and Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff, BBB, ROC stuff. We have over 400 five-star reviews. That's awesome, man. Right. That's awesome. But like, we're, we're, we're going to, my goal is to get to a hundred this year. I've been in business for almost six years, but I never emphasize, empathize that, excuse me, emphasize that. Emphasized. And so, um, this year, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to start asking for reviews. And I hadn't, I had never asked before. It just wasn't part of our, we, we haven't done anything. We haven't done any marketing really. Um, we've just been organic and, and, you know, kind of just organic growth and referral based growth. And, and now I'm like, you know, and both of those, those are great. Are, yeah. Don't get me wrong. And that's, and that's how you build like they're, the structure great, of a business. But, it, but it's, it's, it's not scalable. I can't, yes. I can't create predictable growth 
um, with without some sort of marketing. So that's what we're shifting towards now. Those that are in my coaching program, consulting program, listen up. Well, he, exactly what he just said. Organic growth is great, but you're going to have capacity issues. You're going to max out your organic growth. So your referrals and all that stuff, it, people want to refer you, but what if they don't have any to refer you? Then like, how do you generate business? That's where like the next tier of, like I said, from marketing ads, right? Getting non-organic. So if I can reach, you know, 5,000 people or whatever in, in Gilbert, I could reach 20,000 people if I were to, you know, press a button. And literally, I, I know this person, but the person three doors down, my, my referral partner doesn't know them, but an ad will hit them. Well, they're both $15,000 roofs. Yep. Well, now I can get that person because that person, you know, my algorithm hit that person, but I'm friends with that person. But I'll never get that person's roof because that person won't refer me because they're not buddies. Yep, that makes sense. Right? So it comes down to, so that's, that's where I'm at right now. And our next growth spurt is going to be that, like, I feel like we're having not capacity issues, but our organic reach is starting to get smaller. Yep. And so you can only put so much money into uh, your referral partners, your power partners and whatnot to an extent. But at the at the same time, there's just, it might be, it's like an octopus. There's a whole additional, additional revenue stream, just like door knocking and storm chasing. I haven't even touched that one. Mm-hmm. It's a whole nother arm of an octopus in my business that I can use. I haven't even touched going out of state uh, and that's long-term, but like, that's a whole nother one. So that's crazy that you bring that up with your business. It's like you could uh, social media, right? Yeah. Like doing like a pod, you talked about doing a podcast, like who wouldn't be like, Oh, like who wants to talk about taxes, bro? You'll be amazed how many people will shut up and listen to hear you 15, 20, 30 minutes. Just rip about like what you and I just did about trucks. That's why I did it. Cause I'm going to throw it back to you so you can use it. And we'll use clips like, Hey, here's why to use a brand new truck versus a used truck and the yep. pros and cons. We, we all need that, especially in the blue collar space. Like we all, we all want those tax incentives. We all want that stuff. We don't want to read a book about taxes, yep. right? Although you could have one for credibility, which sure. I still think you should do. But like having a podcast, like a 15 minute thing about like, hey, here's how to save money um, via blank. And you could, and you have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of categories. Yep. Literally write down your top like 25 that you're struggling with is what you do for roofing. Hey, what are your top 25 pain points in roofing? <laughs> Right, like how often should I maintain them? Why should I maintain them? How do how do I extend the life of my roof? Um, who gets up on my roof? Who shouldn't get up on my roof? If yep. someone knocks on my door, what do I do? Right, is my does my roof qualify for insurance or not? Yep. Um, there's so there's all these factors. How long does this roof last versus this roof? Um, there's a lot of factors, but but going through those one by one, it doesn't have to be an hour long podcast like this one. It could literally just be 10, 15 minutes, and you have like a hundred of those, yeah. and you have them on one platform. Obviously, put them on YouTube, but then you have like an actual podcast you can put them on there, like the tax, the tax guys or whatever, right? Like or the the boss taxes or something. Like that'd be huge to where people can go and they can hone in because instead of me calling you for a phone call, you actually could answer that question yep. via that episode. And then just send send them that. And you've done that with me before where I've had a question for you. And yeah. you, just, you sent me to a pre-recorded podcast or article that you wrote before. Yeah. I thought that was really powerful. I really liked that. So, so I am starting a podcast. Love um, it. I, I was just talking to you before about um, using a, a friend's space. Uh, my podcast is going to be called Boss to Boss. So our oh, fir- firm is Boss Advisors. So right. bus- business owners, systems, and strategies. Um, so we, we really we work with business owners and nonprofit executives on how to grow and scale their businesses, um, how to make sure they're, they protect their legal status, how to make sure they save money on taxes and, and make everything as easy as possible. And so um, podcast will be boss to boss. And really we're focused on just working with other, the, the business owners, the decision makers in the organization uh, to make sure that they have everything they need. 
um, a lot of that stuff. So our firm is a combined CPA firm and a law firm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can do, a, you know, under one roof, we can do a lot of stuff that most firms would have to resource out. Right. Um, and, you know, we don't try to do everything, but the stuff we do, uh, we, we are very effective at kind of living in that intersection between law and tax. Love and, it. And it's, it's, it's been really, it's been a cool experiment. We're the first firm in the state and one of the first in the nation that's allowed to do it this way because Arizona's pretty progressive with their business rules. Mm. And Arizona was the first, the first state that allows lawyers to share fees, which means to share ownership with non-lawyers. And so mm. with my old business partner, um, we're technically, we're licensed as a law firm as an alternative business structure. My old partner, uh, he left last year, but he wasn't a lawyer, but he had ownership in a law firm. And so that, oh, that gives crazy. me tons of, that gives me uh, tons of abilities to, so I can give equity to my staff or have them buy in um, when, even though they're not lawyers, which is a huge deal. And, you know, I've got a practice manager who's done such a great job. I would love to be able to give her equity at some point sure. and to my other attorneys and other CPAs. That's cool. All righty, guys. <clears throat> Mike Payne, uh, like I said, he does all my, all my accounting stuff. Um, he's, he's a good resource. He's a, people ask me all the time, hey, who does your truck wraps? Who does your payroll? Who does your taxes? Who does this and that? You're looking at him right now. Um, Mike, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate you. Love your story. Love where you're at. Love your growth. Love the hustle. And uh, appreciate you for coming on, man. All right, brother. Appreciate you having me. Sounds good, bro. Love it.